Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody this is the orange and brown talk podcast for monday the browns finishing up practice today i am dan lobby joined by mary Kay cabot mary Kay, how are you i'm doing okay today a little uh a little rattled by uh some of the things that happened at practice today and uh you know still kind of reeling from some of it but for the most part i'm good and also ellis williams joining us ellis how are you I'm all right, man. Like Mary Kay said, kind of a, just a bummer of a day at Browns practice today. So uh, we're here to talk about it, but uh, not, not what you'd like to see. Yeah, so let's get right to it. Grant Delpit, before really practice even got going uh, during individual work, uh, they hadn't done any team drills, anything like that. Grant Delpit goes down, uh, grabbing at the back of his ankle, that Achilles area, and then gets carted off the field. We've seen this before, and, and we usually know what it means. Uh, you know, we won't say anything officially here, but look, it's not good news with, with Grant Delpit. Uh, Mary Kay, this is going to have a big impact on this secondary because safety is already very, very thin. So to lose a player like Delpit, who is kind of slowly moving up the depth chart a little bit, uh, th- this could have uh, a big impact on the Browns. Yeah, I mean, they drafted him to be a starting safety this year. There's no question about it. And even if he didn't start right from week one, he was going to be on the field an absolute ton in sub defenses, in the nickel, in the dime. Uh, he was going to have the opportunity to play sort of that big nickel uh, safety, you know, when, they, when you've got uh, three safeties and two, two cornerbacks on the field. Uh, he would have been on in those kinds of situations. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just, it really is a tough, tough blow. I mean, you draft somebody in the second round to, to make an impact right away in their, in their first year. And, uh, you know, this comes on the heels of Matt Wilson, of Kevin Johnson. So, it, you know, it, it's a very huge blow to the defense. Yeah, Ellis, I, I mean, what, what have you kind of seen from Greedy? I'm uh, not Greedy. We're going to get to Greedy Williams. What have you seen from Grant Delpit? Uh, in, in training camp so far, and, and what kind of loss do you think this is for the Browns, if, if it in fact it is what it looks like? Well, the first thing you notice right away when you watch Grant at practice is just how long he is when he, he creeps up into the box as that, that box safety and goes over the usually number three, number two uh, target on that offense. And he, you just no, notice his long arms and his frame and the potential promise he has in that spot. It's the exact type of player that Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, and Joe Woods were looking for in that position. He just seemed to, even the few opportunities in camp to be around the ball, you notice him getting in and out of breaks well. And again, not being afraid to be around the line of scrimmage. He talked, you know, I'll remember it's probably his line of his season now because it doesn't look like he'll be playing this year, um, about how much, how eager he was to, you know, shut everyone up with his tackling issues. And he was going to come out and make a point of that right away. And it looked like he was going to have every opportunity with what Mary Kay just said, how much he was going to be on the field, and then specifically how the Browns were going to use him. Again, staying close to the line of scrimmage, getting him in there against tight ends and running backs, and just, you know, getting dirty. And it's something he was going to be able to 
uh, do well for this team. And, you know, it's next man up. And Mary Kay mentioned a few names, but this list is dwindling. Um, you know, it was already injuries to Carl Joseph, which we knew about. Mary Kay mentioned Kevin Johnson. Uh, and then today, you know, Delpit, MJ Stewart with a hamstring, who we talked about the other day, and then Greedy Williams. And I know these are, you know, we're blurring the lines between safety and corner, but that's really the point of this defense right now and specifically where Delpit was playing. So you go down that list, that's six defensive backs the Browns are currently missing due to injury. Some obviously with more serious injuries than other, but considering you start, you know, four, sometimes play five and you're, you're two deeper around eight, that's a massive number of defensive backs to be out right now. And, and, and just kind of sticking with that safety position, this kind of keeps the Browns, I, I guess, stuck with that Carl Joseph Anderson Deho pairing. And, you know, Ellis, you mentioned it, you know, Joseph has been dealing with an injury. He started on, on the pup list. He hasn't been practicing every day. Sandeo's a nice player. He's a veteran. But, but ultimately, you want to see Delpit work in there. And, and like you said, Mary Kay, you draft a guy in the second round with that pick so that you can start him. That, that's ultimately going to be the plan, whether it was week one, week four, whenever. The plan has to be for Grant Delpit to start and to lose that versatility and to lose that, uh, that depth there as well. So now, now a guy like Sandejo kind of has to start or Sheldrick Redwine has to step up. It really puts the spotlight on guys like that. Whereas, you know, those guys might've been more luxuries at some point this season. Yeah, of course. Uh, unless you go out and sign an Earl Thomas, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Earl Thomas. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, the um, Grant Delpit was, was definitely someone that they were excited about that they felt good about. And I think uh, what they were doing uh, I think the method to their madness was that they wanted him to be hungry and to earn that starting job. Now, it's different for every player. They're not doing that with Jedrick Wills. They knew they needed to get Jedrick Wills right over there at left tackle right away and get him started so that he could learn the position. As far as Grant is concerned, it seems to me that they were saying to him, we are not going to hand you this. You have to go out and get it. And there might have been a little bit of, you know, psychology going on there with him. But, but I think that's what, uh, what they were aiming for. I think that they wanted him to really be hungry and grateful when they handed him what eventually was going to be a starting job. And now all of that has changed. And uh, it, it is very, very unfortunate, again, because even Kevin Johnson, now he's supposed to be back, that lacerated liver, he's supposed to be back, I was told, fairly early on in the season. But... Uh, you never really know how those things are going to go. I would expect he'll be back in the first quarter of the season, which will help them tremendously. But again, you know, that's a little bit of an iffy kind of an injury. All right, so let's ask the question. Should the Browns call up Earl Thomas? He was let go by Baltimore. Uh, he's, he's a free agent. A lot of the, the arrows are pointing to him maybe ending up in Dallas. I mean, I remember back in his Seattle days, he, he was saying, Dallas, come get me. Uh, so a lot of the arrows are pointing that way, but should the Browns try and try and intercept Earl before he ends up in Dallas? You know, I'm going to say yes. Why not? I mean, you guys know uh, that I usually am all for going after sort of a, a big name defensive player like Jadavian Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe, Clay Matthews, Earl Thomas. I just think there's something to be said for some of these guys that have made multiple, multiple Pro Bowls that can come in here and give you something. Now, Earl Thomas, very controversial guy right now, obviously. If the Baltimore Ravens are going to cut him, 
and have to eat so much cap space, you know something's going on. So they would have to do their due diligence and really vet this thoroughly. What they would have to do is make sure uh, that, that there's not something going on with him sort of emotionally or psychologically right now. Because if you're going after your own teammate in practice and the Baltimore Ravens are cutting you, there's something wrong. And I think there's something that happens in the NFL. Sometimes these things happen in the NFL and people are too slow to react to the notion that a guy is in some kind of emotional trouble. You got to get these guys, you got to grab them by the, you know, by the back of the neck and, and pull them aside and try to figure out what's, what's going on with them. And I think sometimes in the NFL, there's a tendency to just, you know, let these guys fail right in front of our eyes or fall apart right in front of our eyes. And there's not sort of a quick intervention to, to make sure that a guy is right from a mental or emotional standpoint. And I, I would be trying to find out what the heck is going on with Earl Thomas right now. Ellis, are you bringing in Earl Thomas? So I, like Mary Kay said, I'm sure this front office is doing their research on Earl Thomas. If it's my call, I'm staying far away from Earl Thomas right now. And there's two reasons for it. The first is exactly what Mary Kay was alluded to, um, alluding to. If you, you, you can read enough stuff out there right now where it doesn't sound like Earl Thomas is in all that great of a spot. Uh, dating back to this summer, he had a, um, we'll say, a, a explosive incident in his home over the summer. And furthermore, uh, let's just go back to how he departed Seattle. Uh, he flicked off his head coach as he left the field after a season-ending injury. Uh, the initial reaction to that, it's funny how it's age, was, oh, everyone was so pro-Earl Thomas and pro-Earl Thomas until the story comes out that he really has been um, a really tough person to work with in the building and in the locker room. Uh, so that was a bad divorce in Seattle. And then uh, Eric DaCosta brought him in in Baltimore and, you know, took a gamble on a player with talent, but, uh, you know, some issues. And it sounds like it just never worked out. His play has been diminishing. You can see it on tape. His closing speed is not what it used to be. He, he was getting beat on some deep balls this year and blaming others, which is the first sign of a DB needing to go. Uh, when, he, when they say miscommunication, that's, that's code for uh, my bad and they're not owning it. Um, and then you hear about the fight in Baltimore. He, he punched their starting safety, who's a, who, what I read as a locker room guy, a fan favorite. And, and, and the Baltimore Ravens leadership council, uh, you know, went to the Ravens and said that it, it, this team would be better without Earl Thomas. So it was a complete uh, locker room decision to remove Earl Thomas. So you, with everything I just said, uh, Browns fans can decide if they would want to sign Earl Thomas and potentially bring something that combative into um, a new situation like Cleveland and Kevin Stefanski in his first year, a bunch of first uh, time coordinators here. So with all that being said, it just sounds like too much and just the cherry on top. And, you know, you can take Earl Thomas's baggage out of it with everything I just said, they're just running out of time. You know, you can't just come in and have Earl Thomas plug in and start week one. This is going to be Andrew Sandeo, Carl Joseph, Sheldrick Wedwine, at least in week one. And then you turn around and play, Cincinnati uh, Thursday night right after that in the home opener. So those are going to be your starting safeties these first two weeks. Anyone that comes in is not going to have enough time to catch up uh, just based on installing the system and being comfortable with it. So that's a long way of saying I think there's a lot of stuff going on with Earl Thomas. I almost might comp him to this year's Antonio Brown, if you will. Just going to be a big name who probably uh, just stays out of the league. Or if he gets one more chance, it's going to be his last one. Because from what I've read, it, it doesn't sound good that he's in a good spot right now.
Well, you know, I, I think I would have to almost disagree on the not being able to come in and start when you are a seven-time Pro Bowler. I think you could probably step into almost any system. You've seen it all. You've done it all. Uh, but I do agree with you. They would have to really do their diligence on him. They would have to really dig in and talk to him and find out, uh, you know, what is what is going on with him. And could you get, do you feel like there's any way uh, that he would be under any more control uh, than, you know, than he was anywhere else that he's been recently. And it would have to be Joe Wood, you know, Joe Woods would have to have some kind of a comfort level. Now, I think it's going to be a moot point because he's probably going to end up in Dallas. So I don't think it's going to be an issue at all. He doesn't sound like the kind of more green stickerish guy the Browns kind of go after. I mean, they really do seem uh, to go for the high character guy. Uh, so I, I doubt uh, that he is even really on their radar. Um, but I think you actually, you, you know, you, you have to look into every talent that becomes available, even, even if they have baggage, even if they're, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So you just never know. But the history, again, like you said, it is there that this is a pattern right now with him. Um, but I still think it's at least worth picking up the phone and talking to the agent. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I look at it with Baltimore. Look, they're Super Bowl or bust this year, right? It's they're if they don't win the Super Bowl this year or get to the Super Bowl this season's a disappointment. And they just said to Earl Thomas, go somewhere else. We don't want you. The Browns are not Super Bowl or bust. You know, the Browns are just trying to have a winning season. So uh to me, I, I don't know that you need to bring in a guy like Earl Thomas. What about a Logan Ryan? He's still out there. You know, he he sees himself as more of a safety. I'd be maybe give him a call and, and see what he can do. Uh, but, but right now the Browns are kind of just going to have to find some bodies uh, to play that position. Greedy Williams, we got to talk about him as well. Uh, that, that would be a big loss for this team. If this injury, if this injury is something serious, that's going to keep him out for a little while. You know, Terrence Mitchell is dealing with a knee injury. MJ Stewart is a guy that has kind of been climbing the ranks a little bit. And now he's got a hamstring and we know what a hamstring can do to a guy's season. If he's not able to get back on time. Uh, we, we mentioned Kevin Johnson, the secondary is getting really thin. So, you know, whereas you might've looked at a greedy Williams injury and said, Hey, they've got some guys. Now it's kind of like they had some guys. I, I don't know. If you're going to have Donovan Alumba out there at, at this point, I, I would think almost replacing him, which, you know, a great story, but I, I don't know if you want that guy to be your starter on the opposite side of Denzel Ward right now. I know. I'm, I'm trying to figure – I still have to figure out just how serious the Greedy Williams shoulder injury is. Now, he left practice uh, with a medical official. He did not return. Uh, still trying to determine uh, that one. But, I mean, you, you can't – like you said, you can't really afford to lose a Greedy, especially if you can't plug in Terrence or, um, or Kevin Johnson right away. So – I do think that Andrew Barry is probably going to be working the phones today. I mean, he's got to get some depth in here right now. I mean, this is a situation where, uh, you know, they are running very, very, very thin. It's just, uh, it's, it's a decimated position and it's just unfortunate the way that it's gone. I mean, they got some pretty good news on, on Kevin Johnson, as I mentioned before, yeah. they should get him back early on in the season, but who knows is, uh, that who's going to be on the field for week one is going to be the question. And, and Ellis, a lot of these injuries, you know, there are some soft tissue injuries, but 
you know, the Mac Wilson, the, you know, whatever this greedy Williams injury is. And again, we don't know. It could be, maybe he's out there tomorrow or maybe he's out there on, on Friday or I'm sorry, on Thursday when they come back from the day off, who knows? Uh, but, but these, a lot of these injuries aren't just pulls and things like that. Some of them are, but these are, you know, these are injuries that are impact injuries that happen during freakish moments or, or freakish plays uh, that they're sort of unexpected. Yeah. Uh, you know, hyperextending of the knee, uh, lacerated liver, which I had never heard about on the football field until uh, this practice and or earlier practices. And then um, now we're, we're dealing with a torn Achilles. It's, it's just some goofy football luck. I've been around football for a long time. And the way I know we started with Grant and, you know, before we go to break, perhaps that's how we wrap it up. But to have somebody get hurt in a, a team warm-up drill, I mean, or just your position warm-up, you know, the opening uh, 10 minutes of practice, those are supposed to be the, uh, the light starts. You know, you get up to from jog to a three-four speed sprint. You're working out of your start and goes. You're getting loose. You're getting your body ready because you know in five, seven minutes, you might have one-on-ones with the receivers or you might have a quick two-minute drill or um, a red zone situation. So you're getting ready for practice. You're not going you're not there yet. So for that to happen, then um, it's just really, it, it almost takes me back to uh, when the Vikings quarterback, then quarterback Teddy Bridgewater had that freakish knee injury. They were just warming up at the start of practice um, doing dropbacks and Teddy went down with a non-contact injury. And it, uh, we all know that comeback story. So you, 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 we don't know anything official on Grant. You wish him the best, but yeah, Dan, it's, it's just, you know, plays like the Nick Chubb injury are, are silly and avoidable, but what happened to Grant is just, you just ask the football guy, God's like, you know, how did this happen? And maybe this is all connected to uh, the, the weird off season and tissue, soft tissue stuff. And these, the hamstrings, like you said, maybe they're all interconnected. We're not going to know until more research comes out with all with COVID and what this off season has been like, but um, your, your gut just tells you that it's, it's freakish and it's weird. Well, remember, and I can't remember the exact percentage or whatever it was, but JC Treader uh, talked about how, Achilles were up a certain high percentage after the lockout of 2011. And then I think hamstrings were the other one that he cited. So Achilles injuries were something uh, that does happen after a very prolonged layoff. And uh, I think the Browns may have, have gotten hit with that one. Yeah. And then look, you just hate it. Uh, if, if a guy has to show up to the NFL and, and miss his entire rookie year, uh, that's just a, a brutal way, obviously to start your career. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit uh, about what we saw at practice today. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something and I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read 
uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams. And one other bit of news today uh, that, that was interesting, and, and we talked a lot about this yesterday. We didn't know all the details, uh, but if you, if you missed our pod on the COVID-19 tests yesterday, go check that out. Uh, but Kevin Stefanski revealed today that he was one of the guys who had a false positive. So I, I guess, you know, look, my first thought, sort of echoed what we talked about yesterday. How is a team going to deal with something like this if it happened, if it would have happened three weeks, you know, after, you know, right? When they're, when they're playing games and they have games on Sundays. That was kind of my first thought. It got a little real when he said that. Mary Kay, what was your, like, initial reaction when Kevin Stefanski revealed that today? You know what? Oddly enough, one of my first reactions was how horrible it must have been to get that news right when he was at home with his family and his three kids and his wife that I thought he must have had that he must have been almost you know I he says he's comfortable being uncomfortable but that's really uncomfortable to think that you are in your house potentially infecting your family with COVID and I'm sure that that just had to be gut-wrenching and harrowing for him in those four hours before he knew that it was probably a false positive so I I think I was thinking at it of it more almost from a family standpoint at first. Right. Ellis, what, what did you kind of think initially when, when he said that? First, I was surprised he shared that. Kevin just doesn't really share a lot of stuff with us. So, you know, when you, when you drop something like that on us, it, it, it piques your interest. And then I remember the podcast yesterday, Mary Kay uh, jokingly, or maybe not so much, even though I'm pretty sure she was joking, um, said, if I remember something along the lines like, for all we know, Kevin Stefanski might not be out at practice today. And what do you know? She, she, was, she was right. And for me, that just how hard this offseason truly must have been and continues to be for Kevin Stefanski. Uh, you know, whoever is in his closest circles or, you know, gets those nights with him after he's had a couple beers or something uh, probably is, is, a, is a decent therapist because it has just been one thing after another for this first year head coach. And he seems like the type of guy with the mental to handle all this. Um, I can think of a few head coaches just off the top of my head who I'm not going to name any names, but who would really probably be spinning right now. But, you know, he just comes to work like nothing happened and they're back at it again. So it's um, probably, again, a, a guy that can handle it all, but no one deserves any of this. And like Mary Kay said, to have that fear uh, that you've endangered your, your loved ones too, I can't imagine. So hopefully the NFL clears this up going forward. Yeah, he said he got in his car and, and he drove to uh, the, the condo over by the facility where uh, he, he stays some nights, apparently. Um, Practice-wise, you know, we've talked about this before, and I, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not exactly sure where I land on this. When I watch these practices, I feel like I'm not necessarily watching a team that's quite ready to play a football game in less than three weeks. But at the same time, we just spent the first, what, 15 minutes of this pod talking about injuries 
And we, we talk over and over again about how they're trying to install this new offense and a new defense and, and trying to get guys ready. We saw a little two minute today, but it was still mostly walk through speed. They didn't actually finish the drills. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm still trying to get a feel for whether these practices should be a little more intense or if, if they're doing it right. Mary Kay, what do you think? Well, you know, we talked to offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt today. He admitted that we're still trying to find out who we are on offense. And you know what? That is a frightening phrase to hear when you know that the opener is, what is it now, three weeks from yesterday? Uh, So so the opener now is less than three weeks away, and he's saying we're still trying to find out who we are on offense. That's what it looks like to us. It for sure does. But my goodness – Today was only their fourth day ever together in pads. And again, once again, that's not going on over in Baltimore. They know each other. They know the scheme. They know the terminology. They know their identity. They know what they're good at. Uh, so now, uh, in this very compressed time frame, Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski have to try to figure out, okay, let's start throwing pages out of the playbook and keep in a number of things that this team can do well. They got to hone it in. They got to bring it in. Uh, The other thing that Alex Van Pelt mentioned that he admitted what we've been seeing and what we know, Jedrick Wills is coming up the learning curve. It's not an easy task to move from right tackle to left tackle. He's having his growing pains. They're not even putting Miles Garrett on him right now because quite frankly, they don't want to ruin his psyche and ruin his confidence. So they've got a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. And, uh, and we are not seeing a well-oiled machine right now. We're not even seeing a team that looks like it would go out necessarily and, and be ready to play that first preseason game. I mean, it's like they've got a lot of work to do, uh, and they, they just have to get really super focused and get this done. I did, I did see two reps today uh, of Miles Garrett versus Jedrick Wills, and one – Let's just say Miles didn't have much trouble getting out, getting round wide against Wills. And another one, Garrett slipped. Uh, so I guess we'll give Wills the, the win on that one. But again, it wasn't, uh, there, there's, there's some work to do there. And there's still time. I mean, Ellis, I, I guess the issue I'm having is this team, we all know practice, there's practice speed, right? Then there's preseason speed. And then there's real game speed. And it really ratchets up at each level. Uh, and, and the Browns are going to have to make that jump at some point. And, and they're just clearly not ready to, to kind of start bridging that gap yet. Yeah, their speeds are peaks and valleys. I'll give you an example of a peak. This team is already showing that they're going to be able to scheme up specific players well. Uh, Harrison Bryant had a touchdown today in red zone that, you know, was a completely schemed up type of uh, short wheel route that Baker put a nice high point back shoulder ball on them. That looked nice. Uh, they're getting Odell Beckham open around the sideline in a crossing formation type of way you know, that's scheming up well. And then Kareem Hunt's always going to be able to get himself open and that tends to take care of itself. So that's going to be the three ways this team likely passes the ball early because their um, rhythm game, which uh, Van Pelt talked a lot about today, I'm worried about. Teams are going to really sit on those short throws once they realize that this team doesn't have a deep passing game developed. I really haven't seen a, a outside of a play action a deep ball. I haven't seen a deep game um, – read three, four spread type option for Baker Mayfield yet. And I think that goes back to what Mary Kay said. They're just tearing stuff out of this playbook, setting it aside for perhaps 
the bye week or just later on because they're not ready to handle all that, nor, nor should they. And uh, to wrap this up, I wanted to say something about Jedrick as you guys were talking about him. Not to, not to throw it on the rookie today, but he also did have a false start uh, lined up against Olivier Vernon, and that is just the first sign of a young guy uh, thinking too much. You know, he's in the huddle. He gets the play. He knows his assignment, but he didn't hear the snap count, and he jumps. And, you know, then Stefanski, Baker, take him out. He knows he goes to the sideline. He's benched for a play. It's not a huge deal, but it's just one of those real early warning signs and a reminder that he's a rookie and it, it's going to show. It, it makes me think that when the Browns go to Baltimore and that empty M&T Bank Stadium, it might be one of those days where you just run the ball 50 times. <laughs> go a little old school and just, you know, run Nick Chubb till he gets tired and then hand him, start handing the ball off to Kareem Hunt until he gets tired. Uh, okay, Mary Kay? I was going to say, and that is going to be so bizarre, M&T Bank Stadium with no fans in it. I still think it's just so weird that some teams can have fans, other teams aren't going to have fans. I just think it needs to be uniform. I think this is weird. Uh, but to show up and have no fans, I mean, that it takes away your home field advantage. I mean, it's the noise and the energy and the, you know, just the craziness and the smoke and the you know, all the kind of stuff that goes on. And I, I just think it takes so much away from the game not to have any fans there. That's a good, that's a good fan stadium too. That's a, that's a fun stadium to go and watch a game and they have all the Edgar Allan Poe themed stuff. And oh, the, yeah. you, know, you have the black and the purple and uh, it's, a, it's a great stadium to watch the game when it's packed and it's loud. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back with you again tomorrow for Ellis and Mary Kay. I'm Dan, thanks for listening everybody.